Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. We have recently moved our Sunday services and midweek connect groups online to help stop the spread of coronavirus. Join us for Church at Home this Sunday by heading to ChristchurchLondon.org at 10am, 11am, 5pm, 7pm or 8pm for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Well, hello, my name is Liam and I am one of the leaders here at Christchurch London. And wherever you are watching this today, I hope you find this service to be a great opportunity to connect with God, but also to feel like you are connecting with others as well. And I guess for all of us, we're still trying to adapt to doing church online. This may still feel quite unusual to you. I know for me, it still feels quite unusual speaking to a camera and not directly to you. But I guess the bonus for you is that if I am horribly boring today, you can just reach over and hit mute, which is not something you usually get to do in person. So I guess that's one thing to be grateful for, at least. Now, when I was a kid, one of the things I used to love about holidays was spending time with my dad and brother building sandcastles. My dad is an amazingly practical guy, and so he and my brother and I would just spend hours building these tall, elaborate things with, with huge towers and carved out bridges and everything would be engraved, and they were absolutely beautiful. I mean, I'm sure my memory has exaggerated them somewhat, but as I recall, they were impressive things. And I remember my mum used to say to me, hey, when you grow up, you should be an architect, which I always thought would be a great idea until I realised that architecture involves more than simply tapping buildings out of buckets, which was quite a disappointing revelation to come to. But we used to build these things and spend hours and hours on them. But at the end of the day, the same thing always happened. The tide would come in and no matter how hard we would try and divert the water, the, the water always won it would come close and it would start to lap away at the foundations of these things we'd spent hours investing our time in building and it would just crumble into the ocean. And because our castles were so impressive looking, people would often come from across the beach to watch this crum- this castle crumble into the ocean, which left me with a weird kind of mixture of emotions. On the one hand, pride that people thought our, our castles were impressive. On the other hand, It's a little bit morbid that they were taking so much joy in watching a child's creation fall into the sea, but but there you go. I remember feeling really frustrated that this happened every single day. And so one day my dad came up with an idea. We got up really early and we got to the beach before anyone else was there. And there was this enormous rock protruding from the sand. And so we quickly just covered it up with sand. And then when everyone else arrived, it looked to them like we just started building early and we had built this foundation of sand. They had no idea there was a rock underneath it. And so we got to the end of this day and we had this enormous castle built and people all gathered round as they did at the end of every day to watch the waters take it down. And I remember we packed up all our stuff and we left. And I I distinctly recall standing in the car park, looking down at the beach and seeing this bunch of people gathered round our castle, just waiting and watching and confused why it wasn't going the same way that all the other castles had. And I remember feeling this childish sense of glee that we had a secret that they didn't know that our sandcastle was able to stand the waves for a little longer at least than any of the others. Why? Because there was a, a rock solid core within it. It was built not just on a foundation of sand, but something immovable. Now, why do I tell you that? not just to boast about my childhood achievements and architectural skills, but because actually I think that's a great illustration of something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. He said these words, starting at verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now these words come at the end of Jesus' sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which you can read about in Matthew chapters 5 to 7. And in that sermon, essentially Jesus unpacks his vision of the kingdom of God, which is kind of the sort of life that comes when you live under the rule and reign of God, according to his values, his priorities, his principles. It's a way of life that we get to experience now by following Jesus and a way of life that extends into eternity in the new world that he is creating. And Jesus preaches this sermon, which is incredibly challenging. And at the end of it, he says these words, which are in effect his way of saying, well, what are you going to do with all this stuff that I have just talked about? Are you going to put it into practice? Are you going to change your life because of it? And he uses the metaphor of, of our lives being like a house. And he talks about two houses, one built by a wise person, one by a foolish person. And what I find striking is that he tells us virtually nothing about what these houses look like. We don't know if one looked more impressive than the other. or They could have been completely identical, built with exactly the same materials. We don't know. It's entirely irrelevant to Jesus' point. Because Jesus' point is essentially that the thing that will help you to weather the storms when they come, and they will come, is not actually how impressive the house of your life looks, how robust it looks to those who, who pass by. It's actually what your life is built upon. The thing that will help you weather the storms is not how amazing and palatial the house of your life appears to be. It's it's about whether you are building your life on something that is stable rather than shifting. You see, our world regularly tells us that if we are to have a stable, secure, uh, impressive, robust life, then the things that we need are things like wealth, beauty, health, intellect, uh, the right credentials, a good reputation. And all of those things are great. I want many of those things for myself. I want them for you as well. But they are great gifts. They're lousy foundations. If we build our lives on things like our wealth or our achievements or our reputation, we're actually building our lives on things that are shifting like sand. Because when the storms of life come and hit us, it's often those things that get stripped away, leaving us vulnerable. Now, Jesus says, if you want to build a life that will weather the storms, you need to build your life on something immovable. And he says that that thing is his very words. Jesus says, if anyone hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, they're like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Jesus is claiming that his own teaching is supremely able to keep us secure when the waves and the storms of life come. He is claiming that his words, his teaching, carry an authority that no other teaching carries. Now that is quite an enormous claim for a teacher to make about his own words. It may be that you hear that and think, that's quite arrogant. And you would be right if Jesus was just an ordinary human teacher. But of course, what Jesus claimed through all his teaching in his life was that he wasn't simply a messenger who came to deliver the word of God. Rather, he actually was the word of God, not simply a messenger, but also the message. And everything that Jesus said and did proclaimed this same message. 
Jesus lived a perfect life, perfectly embodying what it is to live under the kingdom, the rule and reign of God. Everything about the way Jesus lived was perfect. He never once used others as as means to his ends. He never manipulated or lied or cheated, but instead he lay his life down for others. He wasn't motivated by selfish gain, but always by self-giving love. And Jesus lived the perfect life that none of us could live. And he did that right up to and including the moment of his death. Where on the cross, Jesus essentially embodied this story here of the wise and foolish builders. His body, it bore the brunt of the greatest storm that could ever be thrown at him. On the cross, we are told that Jesus became the focal point for all the brokenness of the world and everything you and I have ever done to contribute to that. And like a building in a storm, his body was torn apart and he went into death. And yet... Jesus then did what no one else has ever done, could ever do, or will ever do. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. And the Bible says that now he is seated in heaven, and one day he will come back to make this world new. And it is because of that, it's because of how Jesus lived, died, and rose again. It's because of that that we can know that his words are uniquely able to be a secure rock for our lives. Jesus' invitation is that you and I can build our lives upon him, upon his words. And to be clear, his promise is not that if you follow him, you will have an easy life. The storms of life still hit the house of the wise man in this story. But his promise is that when the storms come, you can know a security that you wouldn't be able to find anywhere else. Like having a a rock solid inner core that comes from having God live within you. Knowing that every day you walk with the one who has defeated our greatest enemy, death itself. The one who is uniquely able to face the storms and overcome them. I have been a follower of Jesus for many years now. And I can honestly tell you that I have found in him and in relationship with him a sense of joy and peace and hope that I don't think I would have found anywhere else. That's not to say that life has always been easy, but It is a beautiful thing to know that I can have a relationship with the one who has defeated our greatest enemy, who has weathered the storm. And I can know his Holy Spirit living within me, being like that rock under my sandcastle, keeping me secure. If you are not a follower of Jesus, my appeal to you is would you consider his claims? Would you consider his teaching? Maybe this week, read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 to 7. What do you make of a man that would say these sorts of things? What do you make of an offer of a kingdom like that? Maybe consider the claims about his death and resurrection. Think, why is it that so many, many people across the world from vastly different backgrounds has found his teaching and his life and death and resurrection so compelling that they have been willing to give their lives to following this man? And what do you make of his resurrection in particular? If it is true that Jesus is uniquely able to go into death and come out the other side, might he not be exactly the kind of person you want to entrust your life to? Now, if we were meeting together in the same place, I would happily talk with you, answer questions and pray with you. 
clearly we can't do that in quite the same way, but I would love to connect with you. If you want to begin following Jesus today, then at the bottom of the screen, there is a request prayer tab. If you click that, send an email through to us. You can request prayer for anything, but particularly if you want to begin following Jesus today, I would love to hear from you so that I can answer some questions and pray with you. But for the rest of us, and for all of us really, what does it mean, not just once when we begin to follow Jesus, but on a daily basis, what does it mean to build our lives upon him? I want to suggest two simple practices that Jesus encourages us to do from these verses. And the first is that if we are to build our lives on the rock, we need to hear Jesus' words. Jesus says that a wise man is the person who hears his words and puts them into practice. So the first thing we need to do is we need to regularly get the words of God into ourselves. I don't know about you, but I am finding right now that there are so many voices in our world that have the power to shape my day. And for like, I can often find it overwhelming for the good of my sanity and my mental health and my spiritual life. I need to learn to prioritise the voices that are going to give me the strength that I need to get through the difficult seasons. I know that if I start my day and the first voice I listen to is um, my news apps or Twitter or, or, or just the opinions of others that have texted me or WhatsApp me through the day, actually there may be important thing to hear there. But if the first voice that I hear is one that creates a sense of fear or anxiety in me, then that means I start my day from a place of weakness rather than strength. I need to learn to prioritise the voice of Jesus. I want the first voice I hear of the day not to be the latest stats or, or things that just create anxiety in me, but the voice of my Saviour who says, cast your anxieties on me because I care for you. So here's a challenge. Why not this week, every day, prioritise Bible before phone? Take some time just to listen to the words of Jesus before you hear any other voice. In 30 minutes or so, you can just read the Bible, reflect on it, and those news alerts, that Twitter alerts, they're still going to be there 30 minutes later. But the thing is that if you hear the voice of Jesus first, then when you go and hear those other voices, you hear them through the lens of what Jesus says about you and about the world. It means that we hear those things quite differently because we have already reminded ourselves that we have a relationship with the one who has weathered the storms, who has defeated death and who loves to walk with us and empower us. So first step, hear the word of God. And you may want to do that a number of different ways. There are plenty of Bible reading plans you can get. Try the Bible in one year if that helps. Uh, the Lectio 365 app has a daily devotional that you may find useful. But also try listening to the word of God with others as well. If you're not yet part of one of our connect groups, why not sign up for one this week so that you can hear the word of God and discuss it with others throughout the week? However you do it, I would encourage you to start your day by hearing the word of God, reading the Bible, talking to God and allowing his Holy Spirit to whisper to you in a way that strengthens you for the day. And ideally end your day there as well as you lay your head down to sleep at night. Remind yourselves of the promises of God so that you can go into sleep entrusting yourself to him, knowing that he will keep his promises to you. So first challenge, we need to hear the word. But secondly, we also need to practice the word. You see, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Hearing the words of Jesus alone is not what it takes to be like the wise man. 
You see, the goal of the exercise is not just to accumulate knowledge and to fill our heads with content about what Jesus says. Actually, the point is to fill our heads with those things so that they then drop to our hearts and transform the way we live. Jesus actually says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on sand. I find that sobering. The fool is not a person who is ignorant about what Jesus says. Rather, the fool is someone who hears what Jesus says, who gets the knowledge up here but doesn't do anything with it. It is very possible that you and I, in this time where content is coming at us left, right and centre, could hear lots about what Jesus says. But if it doesn't change the way we live, we're actually living more like the fool than like the wise man. Right now, I would put it to you that our world does not need more people who know in theory what Jesus is about, who can quote chapter and verse and give glib answers for the challenges we're facing. Right now, our world needs people who can practice what Jesus preached, who hear what he says and then puts it into practice in their lives. One of the things I found really fascinating just reading news articles and various comment pieces recently is the number of voices, often non-religious voices, who are saying that right now it feels like our world is being shaken. They're using language not dissimilar to Matthew 7. And the things that we thought were stable are being shown to be less stable than we had always believed. But what I find really fascinating is that in this moment of shaking, where are people looking for hope and for stability? Well, I, I think it is, whether they know it or not, in the words of Jesus. Think about this. In the last two, three weeks, how many Londoners have you heard who normally wouldn't know the name of a single person who lived in the same apartment block of, uh, as them saying the words of Jesus? We need to love our neighbour. In this time of shaking, it is the teachings of Jesus that are going to give us the strength to rebuild a society like the kingdom of God that is built on good values that is able to care for those in greatest need. We need to be people who don't only hear Jesus' words, but live it out as well. We need to be people who embody the kingdom of God. So can I challenge you this week, not only to hear the word of God, but also to act upon it as well. To be the kind of people that live the way Jesus himself lived, laying down our lives for others, caring for those in greatest need, being motivated not just by self-preservation, but by self-giving love. And as we do that, I think we can be people as individuals and as a community who can offer hope, joy and stability in these unsettling times. I want to close by just giving us an opportunity to pray before we worship. And it may be that this is unusual to you, my encouragement is just take a moment maybe to close your eyes so that the screen isn't a distraction and this can be a moment between you and God. You may want to hold out your hands as a way of saying that you are ready to receive from him afresh. And then I'm simply going to pray that the Holy Spirit would come and strengthen each of us wherever we are right now. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. as we wait and as we just breathe deeply and enjoy this moment of quiet, would you fill each of us afresh with your presence? I pray for those who today are choosing, perhaps for the first time, to begin following you and to build their lives 
on you. I pray that they would experience right now your Holy Spirit filling them, that they would receive the freedom and forgiveness and fullness of life that you have to offer. And for all of us, I pray that you would help us to be people who prioritise hearing your word and who know how to live it out in a way that offers hope and security to this unsettled world. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to ChristchurchLondon.org.